1: It's exciting for me to be here uh, this morning, to join you in your living rooms or wherever you are watching. Um, If you don't know me um, from that um, most extra video that was just created there, uh, my name is uh, Chris. I am a youth pastor at Buell Alliance Church and a real friend of Crosspoint Church. Uh, The last few months have been interesting. They've been interesting for um, for all of us. Um, Let me give you a little insight into what my life has looked like over the last few months uh, as a youth pastor, um, and as COVID-19 kind of rolled out, uh, we realized we couldn't do youth ministry anymore. So we moved our whole youth ministry online, uh, and there is no handbook for youth online. I'll tell you that right now. There is no 101 for youth online. And so um, we started that uh, for my wife. She's a ballet teacher. Now, obviously, people could not meet in person, and so <laughs> she had to do dance online. So our house became like a studio. Uh, a studio for youth ministry, a studio for dancing. I would have to say to Steph, I would say, are, are you recording now? And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, are you? and she'd be like, are you recording now? No, I remember times I've like walked past and she's been like, I'm trying to record here. And it was a bit chaotic. Also, I've been like you doing online church for like, the last three months. This is actually the first weekend in three months that I've been in a church building. And actually to be here and to be able to just have the band lead and, and sing, I've not experienced that for three months. And so I know what it feels like to sit at home, um, currently in your pajamas, um, with coffee, uh, and be able to put the pause button on sometimes. Um, But I want to encourage you over these next 25 minutes uh, to engage, uh, to to dig deep, because I think uh, God has got something that He wants to say through His Word today. I want to begin with a quote. I want to begin with a quote by a guy called Mark Sayers, pastor in Australia who I've shared a number of times uh, with you here at Crosspoint. He says this, For any renewal of culture, any healing and reviving of our personal or social systems, we must begin with an understanding of God's presence. Uh, see, I don't know about you, but uh, I've been praying for healing and reviving of our culture, of our world Uh, It's probably pretty evident to say that over the last few months, we've seen culture broken uh, and in need of healing both personally and socially. 2020 has been probably the most life-changing, world-changing, challenging, emotional years I've ever experienced in my life, but I think probably this world has ever experienced. Let me just uh, list off a few things that you may have already forgotten that's happened in 2020. January, there was bushfires in Australia. Then Harry and Meghan stepped down from royalty. The Ukrainian plane that had a number of Canadian passengers that was shot down by Iran. The impeachment trial of President Donald Trump. Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven others died in a helicopter crash. Brexit goes through and the UK officially leave the European Union. The stock market crashes. The Olympics in Tokyo gets postponed. There's the murders of Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Arbery, George Floyd, and more. The worldwide Black Lives Matter protests and the global pandemic, COVID-19. And it's only June. Yes, it's only June. Uh, And see, I wouldn't say it's far stretched to say, uh, for me to claim that there is more brokenness evident today than ever before. And not meaning that there is more, but that more is being filmed. See, we're being made ever more aware that sin is corrupting many, and simply being nice Christians is not going to make it. But as Sayer says, we need to understand God's presence if we want to see our culture changed, our world changed, and lives changed. And so this is where I want to go over these next 20, 25 minutes. I want to unpack temple theology. Now, before you press pause... And go get a coffee and decide oh, maybe it's now a good time for a shower. Um, I want to encourage you, uh, stick in with this. It's going to be good. Did you know that the Bible in 1 Corinthians 6 says this in verse 19? It says, that if you are a follower of Jesus, you're described as a temple. This is what Paul writes. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God brought you with a high price. price. You are a temple, a temple that is filled with the presence of God, the person of the Holy Spirit. You no longer belong to yourself. You belong to God. You were bought with a high price. See, I titled this talk Living Temples, and the subtitle I've given this is from temples of exhaustion to temples of presence, because honestly, I feel exhausted. I'm exhausted with hearing the constant changes. I'm exhausted with hearing the latest COVID update. I'm exhausted with Zoom. I don't know how many of you are exhausted with Zoom. I'm exhausted with not doing normal things. I'm exhausted with half-covered faces in grocery stores. And I'm exhausted with people that still have to protest against racism. I'm exhausted that this has to still happen. Uh, But here's the thing. I think God has more than exhaustion for you and for me. He calls you his temple, which means he lives in you. He works through you. He empowers you. He comforts you. And his presence is with you. And today I want to pull out a few things of what I think it means to go from being a temple of exhaustion to a temple of God's presence. The Bible begins with God's presence filling Eden, and it ends with the city temple of the New Jerusalem being filled with God's presence. See, God's presence bookends the story of the universe in which we live. So to understand what it means for our body to be a temple of God— to be a temple of his presence, it is helpful to look at what the temple would have meant to the Jewish understanders of this message the first time. So when Paul's writing this, he's writing to some Jewish people, and they're being told they're a temple. How would they have understood the temple? Well, I'm not gonna unpack that whole thing today, because there was a lot to that. But I want to encourage you to read one Kings chapter six and one chronicles chapter twenty-two and twenty-nine. And and they describe the magnitude and the beauty of the temple. And it gives this picture and understanding uh, to us of what the Jews would have thought the temple would have been like. I'm going to just quickly summarize it for you, but I encourage you, go read those. It's it's quite amazing to read what it's built like. But in summary, it's about 2,700 square feet. It was paneled, the walls and the ceilings, with cedar wood and, and planks of cypresses for the floors. There was 100,000 talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighted in the temple. There was also 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of silver from David's personal treasures put in there. There was also 5,000 talents of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron given as a gift from other leaders of Israel put in the temple. In total, there was over 100,000 talents of gold, 1 million talents of silver, and quantities of bronze and iron much greater than that. And the quantity of the cedar trees, the cedar trees alone, in building the temple, it cost King Solomon 20 cities in Galilee to sell. He sold 20 Edmontons for the cedar trees. And in today's uh, culture, if you add in labor costs, and it took seven years to build, the temple roughly cost half a billion dollars. Just think about that for a moment. Half a billion dollars. And Solomon built the temple as an act of worship to God, a place that his presence would rest. So when Paul compares his Jewish readers, and he compares you and I to a temple He's saying you're incredibly valuable, at least half a billion dollars. My life insurance does not reflect that. But think about that for a moment. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're incredibly valuable, at least half a billion dollars. Old Testament scholar John Walton, he said this at the temple. He said, the role of the temple in the ancient world is not primarily a place for people to gather and worship like modern churches. It is a place for the deity, a sacred space. It is his home, but importantly, his headquarters, the control room. And so, what happened to temples? Like, what what happened to this vision of the temple being like Eden, where God would would walk freely and and his presence would be easily accessible? Well, Well, the temples were corrupted. See, they were meant to operate as a life system, bringing life to the people, embracing the presence of God, but they had been corrupted. Pagan gods began to alter the role of the temple. They would require offerings and sacrifices, sometimes through sexual acts. A worse temple worship would transcend to bloodbaths of human sacrifices. We see the moment in, in Matthew 21 when Jesus seems to lose his cool and starts turning over tables in the temple and gets angry. Why? Like, was he just annoyed because people were selling some stuff, making a quick buck here or there? No, they, they were actually um, ruining the sacrificial temple system. See, what would happen is Jews would turn up to the temple and say, uh, here's my offering uh, for the sins of my family. Here's the best lamb or the best dove that I can give. And the money changes in the temples would go, that's not good enough. I'm sorry, that's, that's not good enough. You actually, uh, that's got a blemish on it. Oh, that, that's marked up. Uh, you actually have to buy our sacrifices. Oh, and by the way, it's inflated. It's going to cost you a lot more. But if you want God to forgive you, And Jesus comes in and goes, this is what he says, Jesus says this, he says, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it into a den of robbers. See, the temple had been corrupted. The temple was meant to be a place of life, but it had become a place of fear, of anxiety, of corruption and death. See, understanding the temples as our model of a life system, we can see how maybe our modern temples are temples of exhaustion. See, where are the places that we're putting our hope in? Society, the, the, the malls, sports stadiums, online habits. And some of those have changed quite a lot, I'll tell you that. And, and even our own homes can become temples in which we place our hope in. But when we put our hope in the created and not the creator, all we create is anxious and cute, confused followers of broken temples. And so to understand the vital differences between God-centered temples and failing exhaustive temples, we've got to look at the original. Genesis 1 and 2 gives us this beautiful picture of the cosmos being the temple, and the linchpin of the cosmos is the presence of God. That's how it functions as a life system. And see, without God dwelling in the midst, the temple, it does not exist. See, the most central truth to the creation account is the world is a place for God's presence. Therefore, any functioning and flourishing temples or life system, I want to offer us five simple truths today. And so if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write these down. Five simple truths of how the temple can be a life system. The first one is this. Every functioning and flourishing temple needs the presence of God. Without God's presence, a temple is not life-giving. Number one, that's a simple one. We're like, okay, that makes sense. Number two, a flourishing temple has image bearers, not idol creators. So idols and, and pagan temples, they were created by human hands to emulate their God. But in contrast, God creates humans in his image. And he gives them a priestly role to take care of his temple. Number three, flourishing temples expand. See, Adam and Eve, back in Genesis, they were called to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it. And the purpose of expansion was to spread God's glorious presence. And and in contrast, other temples, they don't have the capacity to grow. Instead, they were structures that housed idols, entrapping followers in claustrophobic cycles of fear and manipulation. And so today, God is calling us, he's calling you, he's calling the church to be a flourishing temple until he comes again. And, And revelations, it shows us that the cosmos again will be the beautiful flourishing temple of God a place where God walks freely with his people with no sin. And I love that picture in Revelation 7 that as we walk freely with God its people of all color of all languages, all races, all people as we worship God together. That is the picture of temple. Number 4. God's temple showcases his greatness. See when God created everything on the 7th day he rested. He was showing his lordship over everything. And when we look to pagan temples in the Old Testament, in contrast, they contain multiple gods. They would have gods of agriculture or gods of fertility or or gods of geography. But in contrast, God is God of all. He's unbound by geography, people, or nature. And so, therefore, where the worship of idols exists, his presence cannot fully dwell Because the Bible tells us again and again, he is a jealous God. And his presence is evident of his lordship. Number five, God's temple holds together heaven and earth. See, the temple was a place where heaven and earth overlapped. Think of the Garden of Eden. God walked freely. No boundaries. It was the place where God and humanity communed together. Uh, where God was truly present and humans were truly, wholly obedient and in relationship with the Father. And now in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul tells us, you are the temple. Do, do you see the, the change here? He's saying, you are the temple. Your body is the temple of the presence of God. So if you want to flourish, you have to be filled with the presence of God. You have to be an image bearer, not an idol creator. I'm going to be real with you for a minute. The last three months, I have made COVID updates an idol in my life. Like seriously, I've listened to, talked to, um, thought about COVID more than I think I have God, and that's me being real with you. And today, I need to say no more. That that, that Jesus is first. Like like listening to updates might be helpful, but they cannot they cannot take over our lives. God comes first. You're a temple. You're called to expand. That doesn't mean you're called to eat more food, okay? You're called to expand, which means you're a a temple not simply for your own gain. You're called to flourish for others. Being a Christian should not be claustrophobic but freeing. You should showcase God's greatness. Your life should be evident of who is Lord. And your life should see heaven and earth overlap as you commune with God. And some of you might be wondering, what does a a life where heaven and earth overlap look like? Like, like what does that look like? I want to uh, share two little stories with you. The first is about a man um, called Smith Wigglesworth. I know, Wigglesworth. What a name. He was a British evangelist from the early 1900s, uh, and uh, he had amazing uh, healing ministry. And so what he would do is he would go around and preach in different places, and then he would pray for healing, and often... um, uh, pretty much every time people were healed. And so people would invite them to their, their towns, to their cities and say, would you, would you preach in our churches? Would you pray for healing for our people? There's many sick. Uh, and so that's what he did. Uh, and there was this one time where he was invited uh, to uh, this town and so he turned up and, and the pastor in the town said, hey, uh, we have this old lady in our church and um, she's very, very sick. Would you come pray for healing? And, and, and Mr. Wigglesworth said, for sure, yeah, I'll come. And so he, they, he leads her to the, the lady's house and, and they go up the stairs, and there she is in her, in her bedroom in bed, sick and not well. Uh, and, and Smith Wigglesworth walks into the room. He looks at her and says, Nope. And then just turns around, leaves the room, walks down the stairs, and just leaves the house. Well, the pastor, he, he's freaking out. He's like, I, I, I'm so sorry to, the, to this old lady. And he chases after Smith Wigglesworth, and, and he says, like, What are you doing? Like, like, like that was so rude. And he simply said to her, said to him, said to him, she didn't want to be healed. And he continued walking on his way. Oh, well, well, later that evening, uh, he was fortunately invited to still preach in the church, even as, after this moment. And, and he's preaching in the church, and he notices the doors open at the back of the church. And in walks this old lady. And she works her way straight down to the front, and she looks at him, and she says, You're right. I didn't want to be healed. I was enjoying my sickness. I was enjoying that people cared for me. I was, I was enjoying the, the attention that I was getting. And uh, I know that's wrong. And I want to be healed. In that moment, Smith laid his hands on her and prayed healing, and she was healed. And, and there's a moment came after that where somebody came up to him and said, What is, what is your secret? Like, what is... Where do you get your power from? <laughs> as if he was a superhero. Like, where did you get your power from? And he said, oh, as, as a British person would say, oh, it's, it's very simple very modest. <laughs> let me just tell you. And he said, I, I, I read the Bible every morning and I pray 30 minutes a day. I'm s- sorry? So you, you, you read the Bible and then you pray for 30 minutes? That sounds pretty easy. Oh, let me rephrase that. I pray 30 minutes every 30 minutes. I pray 30 minutes every 30 minutes. See, his life emulated what it meant to be in the presence of God. He allowed God lordship in his life. And what God did was worked um, amazing things through him. And I think God wants to do the exact same thing with every one of his children. You included. Let me tell you a second story this past, uh, this past winter, uh, I, I had the privilege of speaking out at Camp Nachman uh, at, at the winter retreat. And uh, we take our junior highs there um, every, every year, and it's a lot of fun. Like, I love retreats. As, as a youth pastor, they're one of my favorite things. I, I don't... I feel sick after them. I don't sleep well after them, but they're amazing. They're so much fun. Uh, and we were there, and on the Saturday night, we were, uh, I, was, I was speaking, uh, and I can't actually remember right now exactly what I was speaking about. It was probably okay. Um, and so I was speaking, and, and as, we're, as the band got up and we starting to lead worship again, I just felt that God was saying, I think, I think people need to be healed tonight. Uh, and so we have this practice in our youth ministry uh, of praying for healing for people. And so right in the front row were my grade eight girls, uh, these little, like, 12-year-old girls. uh, Really, like, they love Jesus, they're faithful, um, and they're little Edmontonian girls, and they're standing there. And and I just came up and said, hey, I just think we should pray for some people if they need prayer for healing. Uh, So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite my prayer team, and then I just looked to my grade eight girls and said, you're the prayer team. Um, And they were like, okay. And so I said, my friends here who are in grade eight, they are willing to pray for you if you have anything you want to be prayed for for healing. And what started happening is, is people started coming down one by one and being prayed for. These, these 12-year-old girls started laying hands and just saying, like Smith Wigglesworth did, I, I just want to just say, Jesus, would you, would you heal people? Would you, would you heal this person? I want to speak truth and life into this person's life. Like 12-year-old girls. And one by one, people started to be healed. There was a girl in crutches who could walk afterwards. There, there was, there was a, a girl who had an had had ankle injury, wasn't able to, to walk or run properly. She was a long-distance runner. And she was prayed for and started running. There was, there was emotional healing starting to take place. And, and I witnessed and watched. And what was amazing for me is I didn't, need, I didn't pray for anybody. I just stood back and watched these grade-eight girls just pray their hearts out over people. And see, this is the thing. God will use British evangelists, but he'll also use 12-year-old Edmontonians. And he wants to use you too. You're his temple. He wants to fill you and use you and empower you. He wants to be present with you and work through you. You don't have to think you have it all together, but there's some stuff of being a temple, being a temple of the presence of God that we have to deal with, that we have to do. We have to be filled with his presence. We have to get rid of idols and be an image bearer. We've got to showcase his greatness. What does it look like to be a temple of the spirit? And see, I think the best example that we have of temple living is Jesus. We, we see he operated in the perfect life system. At the center, he abides with the Father. His life is an act of total worship and service to God. And so let me encourage you, if you've forgotten who your example is, go read the Gospels. Like, spend some time in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Remind yourself of who your example is. See, our life only functions in a life system when we live as temples filled with his presence. You and I, the church, filled with God's Spirit, It acts as a renewing agent in this world to bring life. Many of you have probably, I'm not even, I wouldn't even say um, I'm going to guess. I know for sure many of you have been crying out for justice in recent weeks. Many of you have been crying out for healing, healing of our land, healing of our world. Many of you have been demanding change. Start by allowing God to change you. Begin in your own temple. Remove the idols, clean out the corruption, allow maybe Jesus to come in and turn over some tables and experience the presence of the living God, which will move you from exhaustion to presence. Uh, Russian writer Leo Tolstoy, he's probably regarded as one of the greatest authors of all time. He said this, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Let me say that again. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Let us begin by drawing a circle around ourselves, allowing God to renew our hearts, reminding of us how valuable we are to him, half a billion dollars at least. And experiencing his wonderful presence. And so so what I'm going to do just now is I'm going to spend some moments just just praying, praying for you wherever you are, if you're you're sitting on the couch, if you're currently making a coffee, if you're in your car for some reason and shouldn't be on your phone. Um, I want to pray. I want to spend a, a, an intense uh, one minute just praying, being, being being real, and asking God to fill you with his presence, fill me with his presence. And, and so wherever you are, I want to encourage you uh, just to close your eyes. Um, we don't close our eyes because that makes us more holy. We close our eyes because it helps us not be as distracted. <laughs> that's, 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 that's true for me. I'm always, like, looking around. I'm like, squirrel. Squirrel. Um, and, and, and I think like, we close our eyes for that reason. And the second thing is I want to encourage you, wherever you are, to just hold your hands out. See, when we say that we're um, receiving the presence of God, it's a gift. And I don't know about you, but when I receive gifts, I, I hold my hands out, I say, thank you. I don't stand like this and say, oh yeah, sure, leave it, leave it at my feet. I go, thank you. And so I, I want to pray uh, that, that for myself and for you uh, that we'll experience the presence of God now. And then I'm going to ask you a few questions which maybe you can wrestle with this week as you, as you wrestle with, what's my temple like? So let's pray together. Come, Holy Spirit. Wherever we're watching from, Facebook, YouTube, online, we're watching in our homes, we're, we're watching with our family, we're watching with our kids. Would you come, Holy Spirit, would you fill us? with your presence. God, you may have been reminding us in these moments of some of the things that we have to clear out, some of the corruption, some of the the idols. And those specific things, that's conviction. God, that's conviction. You're you're placing specific things in our hearts to clear out. And so, God, I pray that your, your presence will do a healing work now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, in your presence, we move from exhaustion to life. And so many of us, for these last few months, have been exhausted. So many of us have been exhausted of of trying to, to stay safe, exhausted of... Of 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 trying to to keep on top of things, exhausted of having to um, entertain our kids, exhausted of, of of trying to be good neighbors, exhausted of um, trying to to speak up for those who have received injustice. But God, would you fill us with your presence? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you, God. We thank you as we're reminded in Scripture when we ask, you give freely. We thank you for your goodness and your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me finish with a couple questions for you. Um, Maybe some some questions you can wrestle with today and and throughout this week. Um, And These have been quite helpful for me as I've been processing this talk and, and writing this talk, but um, number one, are you, are you an image-bearer or an idol-storer? It's a good one to wrestle with, being the temple of the Spirit. Are you an image-bearer or an idol-storer? Secondly, do, does God's presence find complete rest in you because you've given him complete lordship? Have you given, have you given God complete lordship of your life? Do you, do you trust him fully? And there's been moments in these last few months where I've had to go back to God. Even this morning, as I was driving to, to Crosspoint this morning, I said, God, I've, I've not fully trusted you. I'm sorry. I need to trust you more. Number three, how often do you look to Jesus as your model of a temple living? Maybe you have to go back and read the Gospels again. Remind yourself of Jesus. And number four, do you want to be a renewing agent of change, bringing life into this world? And if you do, let change start with you. I love God to do a new work in your life. Let's move from exhaustion to presence, allowing God to renew us, to be life givers in a world that desperately needs it. And thank you for, for allowing me to speak to you this morning. It's been my honor. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for, um, for whatever God wants to do in, in your life.
0: Well, thanks for listening to our podcast.